You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Week two of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three of DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Time to kick off another action-packed week. DraftKings is getting new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 3 game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 143 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Hump day Wednesday, midweek. Almost there, folks. Hopefully you can, uh, the show will take your mind off things for a little while, for a few minutes anyway. So sit back, put your feet up, close your eyes. Watch the pictures and the sounds as they fly through the air. How's everybody doing out there? Uh, very special guest today. And the another returning guest who agreed to do the the series, The Five Toughest Opponents. 
and this is uh, today's guest, none other than Jeff Odgers. Uh, Jeff was a tremendous guest. I had him way back on episode 25. If you want to go back and check out, uh, please uh, check out the our full-length interview. We discussed his entire career right from the the growing up in Spy Hill to the playing with the Saskatoon Blazers to the Western League to all the way to pro. And, uh, no, just looking at Jeff's fight card. I mean, uh, you know, over almost 100 fights in the Western Hockey League and over 250 fights in an 800-game NHL career. So there was a there was a lot of names in that fight card that Jeff could pick from. And uh, he picked uh, f- five great, five uh, cool names. And uh, I think the first, number one will surprise you a little bit. Uh, not that the guy wasn't tough, but just in the order kind of thing. Although Jeff kind of says it's not really in order, but you know what I'm saying. It was, uh, it was fun to have Jeff back on. I, I really, I'm really enjoying doing the series here. Uh, you know, getting the guys back on and, uh, yeah, I, uh, hopefully, uh, if we have any new listeners, welcome. Thank you. Um, again, I encourage you to, uh, please go back and check out my back catalog. John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, Roman Volpat, on and on. And, uh, and like I said, uh, not only do we do, do I do full length episodes, but, uh, like I said, I always enjoyed having the guys back on. So I tried to figure out a way how to, how to do that. And, uh, the five toughest opponent series kind of, um, I came up with and, uh, and, uh, it was so great. It's been duplicated, but we won't get into that, but, um, no, and it's been fun having everybody back on and, uh, yeah. And, um. And I mean, the thing is, is like a lot of these names, when I introduced, when I introduced, try that again, when I interviewed these guys for the, the first time, these names would have come up and I'm sure we would have talked about them. But I mean, when you're doing an hour and a half, two hours, sometimes two and a half hour interview, I mean, you can't sit and dwell on one name or one guy for, you know, for 10, 15 minutes. Um, you know, so I, that's why I like kind of revisiting it with the guys in the series. We can kind of talk about each you know, what maybe led up to it or if there's a backstory or what have you, um, with these matchups. So, um, you know, and again, they're, they're short, you know, 25, 30 minute interviews and, uh, and yeah, and I, and I know I'm really enjoying the series. And like I said, the feedback's been really positive and, uh, I'm definitely going to continue to, uh, to do these. I, I really enjoy them. Um, I'll also do full length interviews as well, but, uh, yeah, if I can get the guys back on, like I said, when you're, when you're doing two shows a week, uh, you're, you're scrambling to get guests and, uh, yeah. And, uh, whatever ideas you hope that they just stick. So like I said, uh, every Wednesday around here is interview day. And then every Sunday is a rant show shit show Sunday as Joe Lazito has coined it. Um, and that's basically where I just kind of crack a beard, look out the window and, and yell about things, whether it, uh, uh, current hockey, past hockey, what have you rules, um, you know, sometimes I'll find old articles or whatever, and we'll talk about that. And I always call it sort of enforcer potpourri. We talk about a number of things. And, um, uh, last week's, last Sunday's episode was really, um, I, I got, to, I, I've received actually a bunch of, um, feedback about it and it was all positive. And I really appreciate the people that took the time to, uh, to send their comments and, uh, and everybody took the time to listen. Um, but speaking of which, uh, it's uh it's been a hot September, boy. The uh the downloads up hundred and ten percent. Um and I, I wanna thank all the new listeners and uh yeah, um to be completely honest, really the, the show's really taken off here in the last little bit. Um had some great guests. Um of course Danbury Trashers Mania took uh you know, it's been hot, so of course my Brad Wing my old Brad Wingfield interview from like two years ago really got some steam. And, uh, plus I, I re-uploaded, uh, the Danbury portion of the interview, which is about 20 some minutes. 
um, a couple Wednesdays back, and uh, and that's really taken off. And of course, the Paul Ferron interview, and then Tristan Grant, and, and uh, you know, on and on. And um, no, it's been a really strong month, and the last few months have been, um, you know, particularly. Um, you can, de- I can see the show growth with the downloads and the, uh, and that type of thing. And I, I really want to, uh, take the time, uh, to take the time out to, to thank everybody, um, who's listened. And if you're a newer listener, um, thank you for putting the show in the rotation. I know there's a million podcasts out there and there's only so much time in the day that, uh, that a person can, um, can take to, uh, listen to the show. So, um, the fact that you choose this one, uh, I greatly appreciate it. And uh, going forward, I, th- I think I have some really uh, cool ideas, and uh, I have some I have some good guests lined up, and uh, it's just trying to make the schedules match up, and uh, we'll get them on the air. So hang in there in the uh, weeks and months to come. But uh, I won't talk too long. I mean, you guys tuned in to hear to hear Jeff, but uh, you know, I, I gotta I gotta do these and get this out of the way. But uh, for the sponsors, uh, like I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. Um, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Of course, the season, you know, camps are starting and everything. So their their shows will be getting fired up again, and they'll be talking about you know the prospects, the rookies, and free agents and all that sort of thing. So check that out. Um, for my off network friends, of course, you got Florida man, you know, mud show, Olin, part time only, uh, Al, uh, five for fighting podcast. Alex does a tremendous job over there in all seriousness. Uh, tremendous back catalog, Yablonski, Sigroy, Rob Ray. Um, he's just getting back in the game. Um, he actually, I, he actually, he did a research piece here, this episode that actually just came out today. Um, Basically, does fighting sell the game of hockey? And uh, I'll tell you, if he had uh, in school had put that much effort into his schoolwork that he did into this uh, thesis that he put out, him and Doctor Chris could be, uh, you know, they'd be going for their their PhDs here. Um, but it was a it was an interesting listen, and I know Alec talked to a number of people and and did actually do some research and stuff and got some numbers. So no, it's a really interesting, um, you know, and it's an interesting topic to talk about and. Uh, you know, does fighting sell the game anymore? Um, you know, being it's, um, I will, I'll let you go and listen to the episode. Um, for my Sunday episode, I will give my answer to that question, but, uh, definitely check that in, check that, uh, show out. And, uh, and like I said, check out Alec back catalog. He does a great job. Um, and recently, uh, before I get even further into that, um, of course, right now we're in the middle of the first round of the minor league mayhem Twitter tournament that I put on every year. It's a 64 man bracket, the March Madness bracket. And, uh, each day we vote on the, on the different matchups. And, uh, we're just about wrapping up round one here tonight. I just put up the final eight fights. Um, but before that, last Wednesday, Alec, myself and Jay out in Iowa, we all got together, had a conference call and we broke down the first round matchups and, Talked about all 64 entrants and, uh, it was a lot of fun and, uh, and I encourage you to go back and check that out. It was just a fun talk between a bunch of fight nerds and, uh, it was a good time. And I, again, I thank those guys for coming on the show and taking time out of their lives to, to, uh, to sit down and do that with me. But, uh, if you're not on Twitter, which I completely, I completely understand. I wish I had thought of that. But, uh, even if you're not on Twitter, just, uh, it takes 20 seconds to sign up. Just be the anonymous egg. But, uh, yeah, fourth line voice on Twitter. Just, just law, just make an account just so you can vote and uh, get in and out. But, uh, every day we do, uh, the polls run for 24 hours and, uh, every day there's an 
new matchups are put out. So I encourage you, if you're on Twitter, to vote. And if you're not, maybe uh, create an account and vote. And I do these tournaments quite often throughout the year. So maybe just leave, just keep your account sitting there just for voting purposes. Maybe do that. Um, also, the other uh, podcast I'd like to talk about, of course, Joel, Joel Lazito. Gary Lazito over out in Long Island. He is a New York Islanders based podcast, enforcer based podcast. Again, tremendous back catalog. Um, Fakoda, Ewan, Asham, Strudwig. Um, excellent. Um, actually, he just released part one, his talk with Matt Karkner. Um, really enjoyed it. Um, definitely check that out. Matt's a great guest. Really looking forward to part two. And um, yeah, tough dude, man. And uh, I'm down with Matt with Matt Karkner. So I was glad that Joe could, uh, could get uh, uh, Matt on the show. And uh, no, it's been a great interview so far. I'm really enjoying it. And um, yeah, like I said, Joe does a tremendous job and uh, very thorough. You know, old people are like that. So, um, you know, very investigate, really does his research, you know. And, uh, but besides doing a great show, Joe has some outstanding merchandise. If you're uh, interested, um, he sells shirts, pants, cups, pens, pencils, you name it. Joe's got his face on it. Um, he's got the, his, uh, his logo was designed by a New York based, uh, artist. And, uh, yeah, and it's flying off the shelves. And hey, it's never too early. I, I saw, you know, they, they're already talking about the Christmas stuff there at Walmart the other day. So it's never too early to talk about Christmas. And, uh, Joe in his last episode was talking about maybe a new Christmas line this year. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of talk. And, uh, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, and, I think it could be a big hit, you know, not only Joe's balls that you could hang on the tree, but, um, you know, Joe, a lot of talk about Joe's pole and his new one, um, that I, that I know he's just, he's looking into, I don't know if it's going to be available, um, you know, probably in about a month or two, right before, you know, right as the temperature changes, um, you know, we're talking, Joe, Joe's been talking about his Yule log and, um, yeah, so that's definitely something to, uh, you know, keep an eye out for, you know. Keep an eye out. Don't lose an eye. And, uh, yeah. So keep your, uh, keep your eyes and ears open for Joe Lazito's merch coming to a store near you. But in the meantime, check out his podcast. Tremendous job. Coliseum Chronicles. Joe Lazito. Give it a little Zito. All right. Well, there we go. And if you happen to be on social media, uh, you know, that's, that's a, that's a pity. Uh, but, Welcome to the Insanity Thunderdome. Um, like I said, as I was saying before, Fourth Line Voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook. F-O-U-T. I had to spell it out on Facebook. Um, but yeah, give me a follow, send a friend request. I put up a lot of videos, pictures. Um, as I was saying in the last episode, just kind of really try to just create content for to get people talking, like the tournaments and that type of thing. So uh, trying to keep uh, keep these guys on the... Uh, in the, in the thoughts of everybody when they're talking, uh, you know, I think the old, the old time enforcer, like that's what I like about the minor league tournament. I mean, you know, um, how many, how many, do, you could log into social media and you were, you're not expecting, I bet you, you weren't expecting to see a John Baduke mention and Rhett Trombley and that type of thing. So that's why I like doing these tournaments, keep those guys' names out there. But, uh, definitely check that out as well as my YouTube channel, over 2,500 fights on YouTube. 
fourth line voice on YouTube as well. Um, all the fights are sorted, so just go to the little search engine, NHL, OHL, WHL, whatever you're looking for, it'll come right up. And uh, um, I, I'm trying to add as many fights um, as I can throughout the week. Um, you know, a little busy right now, but uh, added a few fights here in the last couple nights. But uh, just hit the subscribe to the channel, hit the little bell notification, and whenever I upload something, you'll be the you'll be the first to know. Um, also, uh, whatever platform you happen to be listening to this on, uh, first of all, could you download it? That helps me track who's listening and, and that type of thing. Also, that's in all seriousness, uh, I, that's how I get paid, uh, is by the download. So I need you to download the episodes. Don't stream it. Sound like Lars Ulrich. Don't stream. It's illegal stream. Um, but if you could download it, I'd really appreciate it. And while you're there, if you could rate review my show as well as Alex and Joe's show as well, um, any show that you, any podcast you happen to be listening to, I'm not sure if listeners are aware, but when you rate and review the show, it helps us out in terms of the searches. Um, you know, when you listen to a show and then afterwards it'll be like, oh, similar shows. Well, that all happens due to the uh, number of uh, reviews and stuff that uh, a show gets. So, um, and you want to be in those um as well as brackets. So uh, if you could rate my show, that would be tremendous. I'd, I'd greatly appreciate that. But uh, in the meantime, how about I shut up and we get into it? Um, as I said, if you want to hear the full-length interview with Jeff, um, it is episode 25 in my back catalog. Like I said, we, t- we talked about his entire career. But uh, in this one, we talk about the five toughest opponents. Like I said, with Jeff Rogers, that's covering a lot of ground. A true warrior in the game. And if you, like I said, if you want to be entertained, you check out, the, go to YouTube, type in Jeff Rogers. You'll be entertained for hours. But great guy. Um, and his son, Dakota, has been a guest on my show a few times. Very nice family. I very much appreciate them, all of them, for taking the time to come on the show. Uh, well, four times now. So it's very cool. And, uh, yeah, I, I think you guys will really enjoy this. Um, so here's my talk with Jeff Rogers and, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Thanks everybody. All right. Here we are on the fourth line voice, a returning guest. Uh, it is a true honor for me to have him back on the show. Uh, veteran of, uh, four WHL seasons. And then of course, 800 NHL games, uh, none other than Jeff Rogers. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm doing just lovely. Thank you. Good to be back with you, Darren. Excellent. Well, I very much appreciate it. And, uh, well, uh, I said, uh, I've, I've been having a few guys back on and, uh, with this kind of this series I'm doing, I'm calling it the five toughest opponents. And, uh, I, I was just, we were just saying before we got going here, um, you know, I, I was looking, uh, I believe you had from the numbers I found 98 WHL fights and you had 276 NHL tilts. So to come up with the five toughest, we're covering a lot of ground here and a lot of different characters. But I, but you said you figured you got it. Well, you know, you sent me the list, uh, kind of the fight card. I didn't even know that was out there. And I went back through, and, uh, man, you know you're getting old when you didn't remember fighting a whole bunch of those guys that, that were on the list. And there was uh, some names that came back that brought back uh, some good memories and some uh, maybe not so good, too. It was just kind of... Uh, cool just to look back through and go year by year and uh you know some guys were young guys when they started or some guys are at the end of their career and just the uh the range of guys and uh the you know the decades of guys you fought was kind of cool to look back on 
Yeah, well, it was interesting, kind of like you said, uh, scrolling through your card. Like I, I found, uh, yeah, the old drop your glove site. I managed to, to find your card, and it was uh, it was interesting going back, especially uh, in the Western League um, when you first start off at uh, at sixteen. You know, right out of the gate, fighting Corey Bolio and then Darren Kimball and and uh, Pilon and Twist and all them in your first year. Um, I kind of look back at the at the Wheat Kings at the time. They man, I was gonna say you didn't have a lot of help really that first that first year. It was kind of, uh, I mean, yeah, you were kind of on your own almost. Well, the the organization, um, to tell you the truth, they didn't know if they were going to have a team that year. Uh, they had went through a bunch of financial trouble, and actually there was talk that the Wheat Kings were actually moved to Billings, um, and so when. The year before at the scheduling meeting, uh, they didn't even send their representatives to the scheduling meeting. So not only, you know, did were we kind of short-staffed as far as talent or toughness, whatever you had, we just got thrown in for a schedule that uh, they just put us where they wanted us. And that year, and especially being in Brandon, you know, the amount of travel you had being the farthest yep. east by far, it was just a wicked year for travel and schedule and guys getting hurt and you know back then the Wheat Kings uh when other teams when they were upset at guys they would threaten to trade him to Brandon that was that was the big threat <laughs> so it, to see where that organization you know has came from when I was there is a real tribute to a lot of people there you know what Kelly McCrimmon did with that organization he actually came in while I was there and, and started the whole thing it was some growing pain but you know to see where that organization has come you know, and the city, uh, it's pretty cool com- considering that there was a team that was, you know, by a hair, just, uh, almost moving to Billings. I had never, I'd never heard that before. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Um, well, and like you said, with the travel, I mean, uh, Brandon for, yeah, for those listening, um, of course, obviously it's June, everything's bus, obviously. Um, so when you're in Brandon, I'm just thinking, what's the closest team? It's Regina, isn't it? It is, yeah. It was about uh, three and a half hours or just under four hours was your closest road trip. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and like I said, we never had anybody go to the scheduling meeting. So I remember that year we played home and home with Madison Hat. And, of course, we went there first. So we got on the bus in the morning. We drove all the way to Madison Hat. You get off the bus. You can't even move your legs. You're so stiff from being in the bus for that long. You play the game. And then we turned around, got on the bus, and then we drove all the way home overnight. And Madison Hat, of course, played at home. They spent the night in their beds, and they'd come up the next day. Uh, so you can imagine the uh, kicking we took uh, playing those guys, especially that was the year they started their back-to-back Memorial Cup run. So, yeah, yeah there were some tough nights. Yeah, well, I was going to say, no wonder you're angry. No wonder there was 100 fights in four years. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, just kind of looking at that first year, I mean, it was yourself and, of course, another – a rookie, Kevin Sheveldayoff, and uh, and Troy Arndt kind of be the three guys that were doing the fighting on that team. Yeah, and, and you know what? It was I was a seventeen-year-old. Uh, Chevy was a sixteen-year-old, and uh, yeah, like uh, Chevy, he was maybe one of the toughest sixteen-year-olds you know I've seen. And and like I said, we we didn't have a whole lot of guys to protect us. We were kind of thrown right in the fire. So you know, you look at the fight card most times. You go into a team and they have a couple of heavies to look after those guys, but 
for us, it was either stand up for yourself or you just got ran out of the ring. So uh, that's it was more in self-defense than anything how those, how those fights came about. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, I mean, and for every for anybody listening, of course, I, I had Jeff on for a, a full-length interview where we, tell you, we covered your entire career. So I won't, uh, well, I won't re- rehash too much of the same stuff, but uh, I just wanted to throw that out there. It was kind of interesting, but... The one name I did want to bring up, and I know we talked about him in your full-length interview, but uh, my friend Joel Lazito just had him on for a full-length interview, um, and I noticed the following season he joined you and Brandon was Barry Drager, and that's a tough dude. Uh, do you have any, do you have any memories of Barry? <coughs> yeah, you know, you know, Barry came in as, as a hard-nosed defenseman, and like a lot of guys, you know, you grew up playing hard, but I don't think Barry was, you know an actual fighter per se, you know what I mean? Yep. And then he came in and he took on a role and we had a, you know, a, a pretty tough team when, when Barry came and he kind of uh, came in he was a guy that, you know, wasn't scared and realized that if he was going to keep playing, it was an element that he had to, to bring. And uh, one thing about Greg, he was not scared. Like he kind of got thrown into it as well. And um, yeah, he's made a heck of a career. And, uh, you know, you look at the guys and, and the fighting majors and stuff, you know, he's right up there with the best of them. No, absolutely. Um, well, like you said, the name of the series is the uh, five toughest opponents, and uh, yeah, and the and the guys I've had on, I mean, they've they've all taken it, uh, you know, in different directions. It was just like they they're five toughest, or you know, uh, they're different times in their careers. Maybe they talk about a guy in junior, or whatever. I just kind of leave it up to you guys. Um, so, uh, well, like I said, we'll we'll get into Jeff Audrey's five toughest opponents, and we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll we'll see how this uh, plays out, but uh, I guess we'll start. Hey, number five. Well, I don't know if I just I, I ranked them so much in order, um, but I just kind of put them together. And I, and I started. I looked at the junior card, and uh, you mentioned my first regular season fight was Darren Kimball, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Darren, like he was a tough guy. So he was my first regular season fight. Our first road trip of the year we played saskatoon and prince albert back to back on a friday and saturday so we went into saskatoon we played against twist we played against clark kaminsky all those guys they had there uh kelly chase uh and like i said we weren't a good team the first period in saskatoon we got out shot 18 to nothing i don't even know if we touched the puck so we went to saskatoon got his asses handed to us. Next night, we go to Prince Albert. It's starting out kind of the same thing. Darren Kimball has kind of established himself as one of the tougher guys. And like I said, I'm a kind of a no-name guy, first year in the league. And like I said, we didn't have a lot of guys look after that. So I ran to Kimball, and he kind of looked at me. So I said, what the heck? And he absolutely beat the wheels off me that first night. I'm not sure how many stitches he got cut me open for. And then as, you know, our careers went along, uh, we fought. Uh, even that later on that year, we fought a couple more times, gradually started to do a little bit better. And the thing about Kimball is, you know, you square off with some guys and they get kind of that grin or that smirk, and you knew they were enjoying what they're doing. Like, And that's the thing with Kimball is he liked the fight, and he was good at it, and he was one of those guys you could hit him as hard as you want and you weren't going to phase him. So you knew you were in for a war. But uh, gradually kept going at him, and uh, I'm not saying I ever beat him, but uh, we had some pretty good tilts towards the end. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, Kimball. I'm a big fan of Darren Kimball. Yeah, like you said, uh, yeah, Prince Albert, and then of course, uh, 
Yeah, because I can remember, you know, being up here in size two, and I remember him and him and Twist going at it all the time. And uh, of course, like, and then he went on and uh, you know played in the American League, and then of course on in the NHL. But uh, yeah, the uh, I was gonna say, yeah, you did fight him a few more times that year. Um, man, that that's uh that that fight, Jeff Rogers versus Darren Kimball. That's just a lot of rights. There wasn't a left in sight, I don't think, in that in those fights, I wouldn't think. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and there wasn't a whole lot of defense either. It was just kind of uh, pretty much a punch in the face contest when you when when we went at it. But like I said, he was he was a gamer, and, and you know what? Back then, I believe you know that year, the next year, he scored thirty goals in the Western League too. So yep. you know he was a guy that put up some numbers and you know played on their power play, and you know he was a big piece of their team. Yeah, I think that's the other thing that that seems I think maybe gets lost on maybe uh on the on the new age fan or or that t- or people that just don't know. I mean, back in the 80s and stuff, um like well, like yourself or Darren Kimball or or Kelly Chase or Reed Simpson and and names like that. I mean, you guys played a regular shift. There was none of this like fourth line 3 minute stuff. Like, you know what I mean? Like it seemed like there was just a lot more like the lines the lines rolled a lot more. I think is it is that true? Like that there was like ice time for all those guys. Oh, for sure there was, and I think like all of us, we, we kind of paid our dues the first year. And the back then, most of the rookies didn't play much. That's just the way the coaches believed it. You just kind of you know you bid your time. But no, you look at those guys you mentioned, like Darren Kimball, Kelly Chase. You know the numbers they put up and guys that could play. And also, you know, you think of it, you got close to 300 penalty minutes and, and 30 goals. So yep. you're doing a little bit of everything. So you just weren't there for one reason. You could you could bring a lot to a team. And back then, you needed guys like that. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting as, as you go on and just how hockey sort of changed the mindset. And Because even yourself, I mean, you know, you had back-to-back 30-goal seasons in Brandon and... All right, while we're back at it here, we'll have a little power search, some technical difficulties. No, I was just saying how it's interesting, like you were saying with the rookies not playing too much, but how hockey has sort of changed, whereas in the late 90s, that early 2000s, sort of that that nuclear warhead started coming in with the Derek Bugards and the kind of the 3-4 shift guys that were, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, sitting at the end of the bench, whereas, you know, back in the day, it seemed, uh, you know, the tough guys sort of played quite a bit. No, we did, and and they're a big part of the team, and, you know, the teams that had success, uh, their guys that played that role had to play, and, you know, come playoff time, you know, the way, way the game was called, intimidation was a lot bigger factor, it was, uh, you know, the teams that had success had those guys who could play. No, absolutely, well, well, there we go, we're off to a hot start with Darren Kimball, uh, well, like you said, you're not really numbering them, but uh, but number four. You know what? I'm going to go with uh, Paul Laws uh, <laughs> out of Florida. You, you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. was a guy that, uh, another guy that could play. You know, he was actually ended up as the captain, you know, of the Florida Panthers by the end of his career. And he was as game as they come. I believe the one year, I think he had over 40 fighting majors, if I'm not mistaken, in the National Hockey League. And he took on all comers. And, you know, especially. And I was in San Jose, and then I went to Boston. We seemed to match up all the time. And he was a guy that would never give an inch, you know. And, and he was always a battle. He, he was a good puncher. And uh, no, we had some 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 great tilts with Paul Laws. He was one of those guys that uh, 
we're kind of about the same size, but he, he would be right up there. I'll put him with anybody. No, absolutely. And he's one of those, one of those guys, it seems, um, and, uh, maybe cause it was out in Florida, but, uh, yeah, it's something like, it's a guy that, uh, it seems like a lot of fight fans don't actually, don't talk about a lot. And he's like, he's, I don't know, I've always felt he was like really underrated because he didn't lose too many. No, he didn't. And he, he's a guy that, you know, you don't hear about a lot lately. Like, you know, I mean, he's a guy that's kept pretty quiet. I don't see him on social media anywhere. So he, he kind of gets lost in it. But, you know, if you look back, some of the fights he's had and, and he never backed away from anybody. Like, he fought all the heavies. And playing D, he was playing, you know, 18, 20 minutes a night and battling. And you go in front of the net, he wasn't giving an inch to anybody. No, absolutely. And I think, uh, did you run into him at first? It was in the I. Did you play, fight him in the minors at all? You know what? I did. When we are um, after my first year in San Jose, I got sent down to the minors. And we were playing Muskegon in the finals. And uh, we we ended up fighting there. And to tell you the truth, I didn't even realize that was him until uh, you sent me that fight card. Like, I remember the fight, but I, at that time, like, I wasn't there all year. I kind of came down for playoffs, and I didn't even realize it was him. So, yeah, we had fought either even an extra time that I didn't even realize we fought. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah, and the, yeah, right. Ninety. I was just kind of looking. Yeah, you played the twelve regular season games, and then the the nine playoff games there in Kansas City, ninety one, ninety two. Um, one of the guy actually just kind of looking at that roster before we kind of go to, get into your number three guy. Um, I was noticing on that uh, roster, were you, was he around when you were there, uh, Craig Cox? He was actually. I got like in San Jose. You're talking. No, well, you know, I guess he was in San Jose as well. I was saying he was in the Kansas City roster as well. Yeah, no, I never played. He see, he were he was in San Jose. Yeah, and then they sent him down, and that's when I got called up. Okay, so he got sent down, and that's the reason I got called up and got my opportunities when they sent Coxie down. Okay, oh, I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah, well, actually, I was going to say, another guy that was on that Kansas City team, uh, well, I guess they were all sort of on that San Jose team briefly, too, but um, was Kevin Evans. Yeah, exactly. Legendary. 600 and yeah. I guess 27 penalty minutes he had the one year in the eye. Yeah. And you think of Kevin Evans, he's going to be some big, early six foot three, 240-pound guy. And Kevin Evans, man, he was just but 163 pounds soaking wet, but absolutely fearless. And he would fight anybody at the drop of a hat. And, you know, 627 minutes, and a lot of those weren't tens. A lot of those were fighting majors. Like, he he didn't back off on anybody. Well, that's crazy that year that he had that many penalty minutes. He had 19 goals. He had 50 points. So, I mean, there was, like, there was shit going down every time that guy hit the ice. Well, without a doubt. And you look back at some of those guys, like guys had 300, 400 penalty minutes and still managed to get 50 points a year. So, you know, you spend that much time in the box and still get that many points. There's some skill. And, and Kevin's another guy who could play. I mean, skating wasn't the best, but as far as hands and seeing the game, uh, I played with him in Kansas City and I played with him in San Jose for a bit when he was in the NHL. And no, Kevin could play. His skating probably hurt him a little bit. Uh, listen to me talking about that, but 
he, he could play the game. I, well, absolutely. And again, I mean, we have, we did the full length interview with you and everything else. Um, but for, for those who didn't, didn't hear that, well, I, I have to ask you again. And I mean, um, obviously you're on the original San Jose team that first year and you're in Kansas City the year before. One of the characters, of course, I have to ask you about, you know what's coming, of course, is the legendary Link Gates. Um, and I know you spent some time around Link and, uh, what, what what kind of character is Link? And 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 as far as his uh, hockey ability back then, I think there's a pretty big misconception that you know everybody just hears the missing Link. But he was a really he had a lot of talent. You know what he he really does. And but man, he he was scary tough. Like he was he was actually the only guy I've ever really played with where I was actually scared for other guys and other teams because he never knew what he was going to do. And, you know, guys like to kind of mess with him. I think we talked about the first time, like Craig Simpson used to get under his skin or Theron Torrey used to try and agitate him. And I'm just like, you're crazy. This guy, like, I've seen him do stuff to guys with a stick, whether it's a slash or a spear that's just, you know, horrendous. And uh, you never knew what he was going to do. That included us as his teammates. But when he had it together, his skill was was unbelievable. Uh, One of the guys I'm going to talk about later uh, Marty McSorley at that time, you know, was able to make the all-star team. And to me, skill-wise, Link Gates had as much or more skill than Marty McSorley, and this is tough, but Marty McSorley was able to put it together for an unbelievable career. And Link, if he could have just ever got things straightened out, it was all there. Uh, the skating ability, the toughness. We would do one-on-one drills. And, you know, from a dead stop, forward to line up on the hash marks and defenseman line up on the top of the circles, go to blow the whistle, you go straight down the ice. Link never got beat, no matter who it was. His ability to skate was second to none. Uh, for a while there, they actually had him on our power play. He was running our power play. Great shot. So, yeah, it's just uh, when you think of Link Gates, for me, you know, everybody hears the stories and stuff, but for me it's more of a what if could have been with Link, you know, the, the career that he could have had. No, yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, I was going to ask you, like, just, just, but just off the ice. I mean, obviously you spent time with him, well, clearly. Um, what was he like? You know what? He was a great guy. Like, we did spend a lot of time together and we hung out. And, you know, for me, uh, I was one of the guys, the organization kind of wanted to hang out with him and, and try and get things strained around and, and, uh, turned around. So he had, so many great qualities, but there were just some of those demons that kind of uh, kept coming up and he just, he just couldn't shake. He'd do good for a while and then he'd go off the rails and we'd lose You know, uh, we, one of my favorite stories about Link is we were flying into uh, Vancouver for a road game. We land the plane on the tarmac. All of a sudden, we're surrounded by cop cars <laughs> and uh, they're there for Link. They don't even let him get to the airport. They take him off the plane uh, in handcuffs and to the police station. I'm not even sure what he did. Um, he was able to get out uh, the next day. He showed up for a pregame skate, and after he got released from the police, he ended up uh, getting hooked up with some of his old buddies. They got in a couple of bar fights, and he threw up a practice with black eyes and all banged up. And it was uh, <laughs> it was just a never-ending carousel of fun with him for stories. Well, I was going to say, that's a reality show in itself right there. 
follow you could have followed <laughs> it, it was you know some of the older guys were sitting on the plane and going what is going on you know the, the car has got the lights on we're getting surrounded nobody knows what's going on and then <laughs> it's kind of like when they come for the hansen brothers you know, yeah it's like, here. <laughs> oh absolutely um well on all those practices and everything else do you and link ever uh drop go at her you know what we never did no we never did um which was probably probably a good thing for my uh my health <laughs> yeah the missing link yeah but like you said kind of uh yeah it's unfortunate it was sort of i mean with the car accident and everything obviously but yeah a lot of lost potential there or what could have been a lot of what could have been with link for sure but um well we got kimball we got laws uh so at number three uh mcsorley marty yep so yeah he was a guy who was in la when i was in san jose so we, we played them lots um had some battles big barrel chested wore the real loose jerseys you could never get a grip on him and he was another guy that was mean when you fought him and uh you know story about mcsorley like he was game he'd been doing it for years before i even you know got at it with him one night in san jose uh my first year he knocked me out and you know put me down and of course you're a young kid so you kind of pop up and try and act like nothing happened but i kind of get help to the county box by the linesman because I don't even know where the county box is in your own ring. And, you know, I'm not right, but I'm embarrassed. And for whatever reason, when I get out, you know, I think I got to fight him again. So I go back at Link and, you know, he wouldn't fight me the rest of that night. And for whatever reason, you know, I fought him lots after. But uh, it's kind of an interesting story. I was doing the uh, radio for Atlanta. He was doing TV for San Jose. And my two boys, John Dakota, were up with me, and we're having uh, lunch in the press room. Marty comes in, sits down, and, and talks with us. And we get talking about that night when when he knocked me out. And uh, the boys are there listening, and he said, the reason I wouldn't fight you that night is I knew you weren't right. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of respect he still had because I wasn't right. And, you know, he would have hurt me pretty good if we would have fought again because I, I wasn't there at all. He's seen that. He recognized that. And he was telling me the story. My two boys there to hear it. So, uh, so that's just kind of the guy Marty was. Like, he, he played hard and he was mean as tough as anybody. But he respected the game. And, uh, you know, especially from my end, I'll always respect him for that. No, absolutely. Well, and like you said, like, big guy and he had the big jersey and everything else. Um you know, of course, back then with the, you know, the Rizzi, well, early on in your career, there wasn't the tie-down rule, so you could get out of your stuff. Um, and guys had the, well, quarter kit tearaway sleeves, and other guys had this. Did you ever do anything to your jerseys? I, I wore a goalie cut, you know, so I had the bigger sleeves. But it was crazy for a while. I remember when I was playing in Kansas City, we were playing against the Phoenix Roadrunners, and uh, they had, you know, a pretty tough team. So all their guys, they wore the big jerseys, and then they cut their sleeves on the seams, and then they used Velcro to, use Velcro to keep them together. So yeah. you'd go to fight them, and if they were right-handed, like I'd put my left out and grab their right, and they'd just pull their arm back, and all of a sudden the Velcro would let go, so you're left there holding the part of the uh, sleeve, and they, their arms free reign on you. So it was crazy, the stuff that went on. Like I said, that was one of the things I remember 
other guys, uh, you know, would, you know, come right out of their jersey. So you're trying to hang on to them and they wouldn't wear any undershirts underneath. So you're trying to grab onto bare skin. So you know, it was whatever you could do for advantage. And then obviously they, they put a crackdown on a lot of it. Thank goodness. Cause you know, guys get hurt when you're expecting to be holding a, a, somebody's hand back and their jersey pops right out because it's Velcro. Uh, you can get hurt pretty hard. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. With, uh, with the Jersey mods, that's for sure. Um, uh, yeah, this is a hell of a list. Uh, I guess number two. Number two would probably have to be Probert. Um, yeah. You know, the guy, you know, I fought him. I think I fought him like five times. And, you know, at the start of my career, you know, played the first two years, never fought him. Like, pretty nervous, actually, because he was the guy. If you're going to measure yourself, he was the guy. Uh, I remember the first time I fought him, it was an afternoon game in Joe Lewis Arena. We squared off and, you know, kind of third, fourth line, so you're matched up against him and kind of came together and I kind of knew it was now or never, here we go. And uh, had a pretty good scrap against him, you know, able to kind of survive it. Uh, but to me, he was the guy that, and you know what, he loved to do it. He never said no. Because whenever guys came up, he was the guy that everybody went to measure themselves against. And you know how some guys at the end of their career, they've done it for a while, they couldn't be bothered or don't think they have to do it. He never said no. He always had that fire in him. He was always obliging. And, man, he, he was tough. No, abs- well, yeah. I mean, but yeah. I mean, there, there's no, yeah. What more is there to say about Bob Probert for sure? Um, yeah, he... Uh, yeah, he, uh, now, like, what was it, uh, like, uh, what was it like just be- being on the ice with him and you're lining up with him? Like, was he, uh, I-, I can't see him being much of a talker. Like, did he have a lot to say or was it, uh, pretty much just right down to business? No, yeah, he, he wasn't chirping. He wasn't whatever. It was just kind of right to business where, where you came together with him. If you hit him, or whatever, you knew if you turned back around, there was no questions. He was, he, he was ready to go. He just, he had that about him. And there's another guy, you know, you look at the, the years he had playing with Steve Eiserman, another guy that was able to play on the all-star team and, and, and played both ways. So that was, you know, he was the guy with him, you know, Rick Tockett, uh, Cam Neely, those guys that were tough as nails, but they could absolutely play as well. You know, you have a guy like Bob Probert and your tough guy can play in the same line as Steve Eiserman to make the all-star team. That's a pretty good combination. No, absolutely. And, uh, well, like just speaking of Probert, I mean, I always kind of like, you know, just, a, you know, as a fan, you see, I've seen all his fights and everything else. And just, um, I mean, obviously, um, you, obviously you've seen his fights going into the, you know, he's, you know, he was one of the guys that come out of his jersey and that type of thing and, uh, could, you know, did you have any sort of, uh, in your mind, I mean, you knew it's coming. Did you have any game plan going into it, or was it just, let's see what happens? No, for me, I knew I had to get inside and get him square to me Yeah, uh, to start the fight, because if I got strung out, and then he had that where he'd get you spinning, and then he'd start throwing those uppercuts when you're off balance, and then you just end up doing a bunch of ducking. So for a guy like me, my size, I knew... I had to get in tight, get, kind of get both my hands on them, get them squared around, and then work from there. And it, it worked out not bad for me. Uh, the one fight I remember, he was able to get me strung out 
And then he started getting in circles and throwing those uppercuts, and you could pretty much hear him coming. So he just uh, ended up ducking in self-defense. So, no, definitely for me, my game plan, I had to get inside and then square it up uh, and start from there. Yeah, like like a, like I said, someone like with with him and like McSorley and stuff. I mean, I know this. It's probably kind of this is an odd, not an. It was this is kind of an odd question, but just in terms of like their power, like like was Probert a big like a power puncher compared to like a McSorley or a Laws or you know what I mean? Like, what was his uh, uh, just in terms like were you fearful of his? punching power like with that you might be with some other guys no for sure you were because especially with with Probert with his uppercuts you know some of the guys were just like a, a straight on puncher whereas Probert was so good with the uppercuts and when he came through like he followed all the way through so he was definitely like some guys you didn't worry about so much about the power but with Probert not only did he have all the stamina but you had to worry about uh punching power, everything. So, you know what I mean? When you look at hockey fighter and you're going to check off all the boxes, he pretty much covered them all. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was interesting. Cause, well, speaking of Craig Cox, um, there's video on YouTube of him doing an interview in his office and the, and he's just talking about fighting different guys. And, um, I noticed one of the guys that he talked about fighting, you fought as well as John Cordick. And he was just saying like with Cordick, it was rapid fire, but he goes, you weren't scared of his power. Cause he didn't really hit that hard, you know? And then not that he said that about Probert, but it was just, uh, it's just interesting as a fan. Like you said, you, I've watched all the, you watch all these videos, but you know, as fans, we don't know, right. We're sitting on the couch as someone who was like in the battle with these guys. It, it's just interesting to me, uh, you know, who, you know, who's, who some guys think, you know, didn't hit real hard. Whereas other guys, it was really scary. Like I've heard, other guys on this show have talked about the power that Paul Laws had. Yeah, no, he was strong. And he just had a great technique. It wasn't that great big wind-up. It was just that short. And, you know, some of those guys have that ability. They keep that elbow in tight. They just turn the wrist over when they hit you. And it's, yeah, Paul Laws could knock you out from six inches away. Yeah. That's just the kind of power he had. Yeah. Was there anybody that you fought, like, would you – when you grab, when you start exchanging with them, you were surprised by how, like how how much steam they had on their punches. Was there anyone that surprised you? Not surprised me. It was just probably I remember, uh, you know, fighting uh, Jim McKenzie, and you knew what a big guy he was and how strong he was, but he would grab you, and it was just like your dad grabbing you when you're you're a kid and you got in trouble. Yeah, and he put that wrist. He turned the wrist on the jersey of your sweater, and you couldn't move. <laughs> like you were just locked in place. And then right away you went, "Oh boy, this might not have been the best idea." Because right away you, you knew you were overmatched. Like you knew how strong you was, and then you just start, uh, you know, battling in the fence. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. You guys. Uh, yeah. Well, that that goes back to junior with you guys. Yeah, no, he was in Moose Jaw, and then he was in Victoria, so I, you know, I fought him there. And then, you know, along the way up, you know, me and Big Jim got at her a few times. But he was he was another guy you had to, to worry about because, you know, he was a guy that hit hard as well. 
Like, and you knew if he hit you square, you were going to be in trouble. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he definitely won far more than he lost. That's for sure. Um, well, we got McSorley. I'm number one on Jeff Audrey's list of the five toughest opponents. You know, the guy that gave me the most trouble was Rob Ray. Really? We huh. had some, uh, we had some battles, uh, but he was probably the one guy that, you know, I fought lots. I could never really get the better of him and probably, when I look at probably a couple of my worst losses fighting in the National Hockey League, he'd be right there. Just the way uh, we matched up. I think one night he cut me for 30 stitches uh, in a fight. You know, it, it was pretty ugly, but he was the one guy, and, you know, I could just never really get a get a win on him or get the upper hand and like I wanted to. So I think his, his fighting style and his ability to punch – and like I said, even after, you know, the tie-down rule came in when he couldn't come out of his jersey, he was always such a smart fighter. He was able to slip. And when he hit you, like, you knew you were hit. So, for me, the guy I probably had the most trouble with, uh, actually the few sabers, like Rob Ray, and then, you know, the guy that probably hit me the hardest would be Brad May. Uh, you know, so they had a team there, and you throw in Bootner, you threw in Barnaby, uh, Bolton at the end. So when he went into Buffalo, you knew your head, your hands full. Yeah, that's uh, well. It's it, that's interesting that you bring up Rob Ray. Um, I was having this uh, discussion on the on the on the board there, you know, just amongst us fight nerds, and we were talking. And I I always kind of maintain that, like, because there's a lot of all oh, Ray was only good when he came out of his jersey. That's the only reason that made him good. And it was like, well, I always thought he was better when his jersey stayed on, actually. Um, and they were just, it was interesting from the, when it's a fan's point of view, that Ray sort of gets, um, undermined a little bit. They're like, oh, he was only good when his jersey was off. He wasn't that tough. So for you to throw out Rob Ray as your number one, that's interesting. There you go. That says it all right there. Yeah, no, he was a guy that battled. And like I said, he, he was always on. You know, like he, he played hard. He stood up for his team. He loved playing for the Buffalo Sabres. You could tell he he had a lot of pride in that team, and he went to war for that team for for years. Had a lot of those other guys came and go, but he was pretty consistent right to the end there. And for me, he was probably you know one of the guys that gave me the most trouble. No, absolutely. I'm a big Rob Ray fan and Brad May. I was a big fan of both those guys. And uh, wow, and then you throw Barnaby in there too, stirring the pot. Oh man, I could imagine those are some nights, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You knew you had your hands full. Was Barnaby the most annoying player you ever played against? He'd be right up there. Yes, yes, he would. And I've got kind of got to know Barney a little bit after some through some events, but he never quit. He just never quit. He never shut up. He never quit agitating. And uh, you know, and most times when you fought, it was you kind of you knew what you were doing. But he was one of the guys. He would get you so mad you were really trying to hurt him by the time you ended up fighting because you were that mad. Yeah. Was there was there anybody that, uh, like I'm about to say, you'd run him over in the Walmart parking lot if you saw him today, but was there anybody that you just really, like every time you're playing, you're like, I got to get this asshole. Like, was there a guy you just didn't like playing against? You know what? For a while, it was Warren Reichel. Yeah. You know, we went at it and, 
uh, every time we play together, we fought. And then as it goes, we end up being teammates uh, in Colorado and actually, you know, formed a pretty good friendship, got a lot of respect for, like we played on the same line, some playoff runs. So, but for a while there, I think it was pretty mutual. We hated each other, but uh, we ended up as teammates, got along pretty good, had kids the same age and stuff. So, uh, no, it's amazing how it works out like that. No, absolutely. Well, before you, there's one name on your card here that comes up, and it was I was happened to be watching some fights the other night of him, and I'm a big fan, and it goes back to the old PA days, and you fought him a bunch of times. Uh, was Bomber Ken Baumgartner? Um, he looks so awkward to fight. What was it like fighting Bomber? You you know what? When I fought Bomber, it was it was some good fights because he was a lefty, I was a righty, so. You know, I we could kind of get in, and neither one of us really hurt the other guy, but we had some great fights. Our styles kind of matched up. He was left, he was right, and uh, yeah, he was a little crazy. You know, at the time, everybody hears the bomber stories. Yep. And uh, actually, we ended up being teammates for a little while in Boston, and uh, he was actually the reason I got traded out of Boston. Uh, Pat Burns came on as coach, uh, brought in uh, Bomber. And I was there, and I ended up uh, getting shipped out of town and actually worked out all right for me. I ended up in Colorado. But, uh, yeah, I know when Bomber came to Boston, that was uh, my ticket out of town. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, there we go. That That's a heck of a list. Uh, you know, and, and that's the thing with with these uh, with these episodes, having you guys on. I mean, being a fight guy, I mean, I could talk I could binge you all night asking you questions about all these guys. But, uh, um, yeah, I mean, Kimball and – Laws, McSorley, Probert. I mean, that's, uh, you know, and uh, and Rob Ray. That's a, that's a hell of a list right there. That's a pretty solid top five, I'd say. Yeah, no, it was. You know, you kind of you look back and uh, thankfully the guy doesn't have to do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. That was, uh, but uh, no, I, like I said, I won't keep you too long today. Um, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on in, in short notice here and getting through our technical difficulties. I don't really know what's going on here, but uh, we got it. And uh, I really want to uh, th- thank you again for coming on. Not a problem. Always great talking to you, Darren. Excellent. Thanks, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Have a good night. All right. You too. Thank you. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 